Welcome to the Legal Toolkit, bringing you the latest legal trends and business initiatives to help you manage your law firm. Here are your hosts, experienced lawyers, writers, and entrepreneurs, Heidi Alexander and Jared Correa. You're listening to Legal Talk Network. Hello and welcome to a new episode of the Legal Toolkit here on the Legal Talk Network. I'm your host, Heidi Alexander. I'm also a law practice advisor with Massachusetts LOMAP. LOMAP provides free and confidential law practice management consulting services to Massachusetts attorneys. For more information on LOMAP's offerings, visit our website at masslomap.org. So here on the Legal Toolkit, my co-host Jared Correa and I provide you with a new tool each month to add to your own legal toolkit so that your practices will become more and more like best practices. And before we get started, we'd like to thank our sponsor, Amicus Attorney, the world's leading practice management solution for lawyers. Amicus Attorney helps manage your law firm so that you can concentrate on being a lawyer. To learn more, visit amicusattorney.com. So today we'll be chatting about the importance of being likable in the legal profession. Well, of course, it's nice to be likable in any profession, but especially as an attorney. Developing a good rapport with clients and trust among your colleagues can lead to better case results, happier clients, and of course, a more pleasurable work environment. And these essential aspects of practice development are all too often overlooked. So joining me today is Jason Troy. Jason is a former lawyer turned marketer turned business coach. In addition to his coaching, he calls himself a social engineering and persuasion expert, which we'll hear more about during the course of the interview. He's written a how-to guide on building social and professional relationships entitled Social Wealth, which is available on Amazon. He also contributes to numerous publications and has appeared as a guest on many podcasts. And I especially like his domain name, BeExtraordinary.tv. Of course, that's one you'll remember. So thanks for joining me today, Jason. Well, thanks for having me on, Heidi. Appreciate the opportunity to speak with you and your fantastic tribe. Absolutely. (laughs) Thank you. So your entire career is built on helping people become better at building relationships with others. So tell me why this skill is so important, and in particular, how does it impact attorneys? Well, I mean, our whole life is about relationships. I mean, in the end, no one wants a tombstone that said they worked a good life. You know, they want to have something about making impact, and relationships really form our experiences And on the professional side of things, we have to have great relationships with the people that we work internally in a law firm or a corporate setting, as well as our clients. And when you can sort of tap into that relationship building skill set, you can move the bottom line farther for yourself and also be much more successful with your clients. So lawyers, and I'm thinking of trial lawyers in particular, They need to be persuasive. I mean, other types of lawyers also need to be persuasive. You have to be an advocate for your client. Um, Are there applications for this type of skill outside of the courtroom? I'm assuming you're going to say yes, but then you're going to tell me why. Well, I mean, if you're inside any environment, right, you have to work with other attorneys, paralegals, other people. Well, you have to be able to form great relationships with them and also be able to really tap into their emotions and what's going on. And if you want to lead other people, you have to have these skill sets built up over time. So you have to be able to build rapport with people, find things in common with them, be able to overcome obstacles and deal with conflict. 
in a way that doesn't cause tension. You have to be able to communicate and really find solutions pretty quickly with people. Otherwise, you start to alienate people, build a lot of drama, and you cause just a lot of tension and problems that are going on. And also the same thing with a client, right? I mean, you have to tap in to understand if they're nervous of what's going on and really sort of help them in the process as well. And if you can't tap in yourself and your own emotions and really get down deep into who you are, you're not going to be able to do that on the outside because you will refuse to ask questions that you don't know the answers to in an emotional level. Gotcha. So social engineering, I mentioned earlier, it's a way you've described yourself. Uh, and I've heard about this in the data security context, right? Hackers are tricking people into breaking security protocols. But I, I think you're using it in a slightly different way. So talk about social engineering and, and what it is. Well, it's really about human behavior. I believe that human behavior and understanding it is just like learning math or reading or science. It's a learned skill set. And if you want to be successful in life, you have to learn these skills. Otherwise, you're going to have a lot of problems in everything that you do. And it's not something you just pick up naturally. People are not born with these skill sets. You actually learn them over time. And even if you're an extrovert, it doesn't mean that you're good at it. Most Many introverts, and I have introverts as clients, are way better at building relationships and relating to people than people that are very extroverted. So you have to sit down and understand the skill sets and then practice them, right? It's just like working out. If you decide to work out once a month, that's not really going to help you. you got to do it during the week several times and really have a plan and have a strategy and understand how you're doing it. So you work with a number of clients, um, and do you help them create these plans? And how often do you suggest that people try to practice this? I mean, you know, attorneys are so busy, and you know, I'm always getting pushback when I say draft up a marketing plan or a business plan, and, and attorneys always say, oh, "I don't have time to do that." And and I see the the value, um, but you know, is there some strategy that you have in terms of you know how often you should be doing? this or is it 10 minutes a day, two minutes a day, uh, you know, any, any sort of strategy? Well, I think you should always be looking at how to do things strategically. So the best place to go practice is in groups because you can reach the most amount of people in the le- least amount of time. And the groups you want to go into are places where you could find prospective clients or people that might want to work in your same environment. And so the best places to go are charity organizations and nonprofits, meaning museums, opera, symphony, because that's where wealthy people go. That's where socially mobile people go. And the easy thing about it is they have events during the week from maybe 6 to 8 o'clock or 7 to 9, or they have you know bigger events on the weekends. So you can go to a couple events like this and be very strategic and go for an hour, hour and a half, and you can meet anywhere from 5 to 20 people and really practice these skill sets, but practice some environments where people's defenses are down, meaning they want to meet you. And also you're meeting people that you could be doing business with in many different capacities. So it's a very strategic way. And then you're building also personal relationships with people that matter and that really are in the spirit of giving, which is always a better place to start a relationship off at. And so what you're talking about is learning by experience, really. Um, are there other resources that you would point uh, attorneys to, to to learn about, you know, how to uh, how to adapt these skill sets or what skills are important for attorneys in this context? 
you can read books. I mean, that's always helpful. The challenge is eventually you got to put this into practice. And that's the biggest problem, right? I mean, it's, you, it's, it's not knowledge, it's applied knowledge. And so you have to find people that are going to help you build these skill sets up if you don't have the knowledge, because implementing them is way more difficult than understanding them. And that gap is significant. And so you just, you have to have a plan and a roadmap when you go out, right? And so a lot of it is just getting out there and practicing it, but you have to have a strategy going into conversations. How are you going to start the conversation? How are you going to continue it? How are you going to follow up, right? So you have to have a plan. Most people just go into a conversation and they just think, well, it's either going to happen or it's not. Well, that's not the case. It's just like business. If you go into um, a prospective client or anyone else and you decide, I'm just going to wing it. It doesn't really matter. It's not going to go near as well as you actually plan it out, right? So there's when you actually plan it out, the other thing that happens is you feel a lot more spontaneous in the conversation because you feel a lot more comfortable because you have a guide to move forward and a guide that you know is going to be successful. And so I think you have to find resources out there that can help you push this forward and, you know, books are fine. You can look things on networking and there are different things out there that are, you know, can be useful. But I find there's a lot of challenges out there because there's not a lot of people really teaching these skill sets that really know what they're doing. I would think also it would be important to to have mentors. So I could see, you know, someone who is very good at networking, sort of following them around and, and learning, uh, learning from their own experiences. Is that is that something that you talk to your clients about? You definitely should. I mean, you always want to have people that are a couple steps ahead of you in your life in whatever area you're trying to get better in. And I think that's one where it's helpful to have someone who has built up quite a Rolodex and who does go out and is very social because you can see the types of things that someone else is doing. And again, I think this a lot has to come with yourself, right? I think the pillars of being authentic, vulnerable, speaking your truth and being generous are something that if you're not aligned internally in that, it's very difficult to build relationships externally with other people because most of communication is nonverbal. You know, anywhere from 90 to 93% is the research states. So what you're not saying is important as what you are saying. So it's very important to start to realize that things like actually listening and not be not thinking about what you're doing tomorrow is really a critical skill set in order to build likability with someone else. Because if you're thinking about what you have to do 10 minutes from now or talking to a person across the room or what you have to do tomorrow, you're signaling that person that they don't matter and that they're not important. And they can feel that and sense that, and it's immediately going to turn them off for interacting with you. So there's a lot of nuances in these skill sets that you have to start asking. And another one is really just building rapport with people, right? Because that's a thing people don't do well because they think, well, let me just talk about where are you from, you know, what job do you do, and all these typical interview questions which people have heard you know, thousands of times and they have not had great experiences so they immediately turn you off. And you know, one of the questions that I ask people early on, like maybe the first, second or third question is, what are you passionate about in your life? What products are you working on that you're passionate about? Because you've got to tap into someone's emotions and what they care about because that's really what matters. That's what drives us as human beings. We're emotionally driven. That's before we even cognitively think we're emotionally driven. So you have to start tapping into that. And when you can understand what that is, you can then offer some help. You can ask the next question, are you having any challenges around that? And then you can offer help on maybe a book, a resource, a contact, or just following up with them and trying to give them one of the three. And if you can't 
I've, I've done it before where I said, I just don't have anyone for you, but I'll keep you on the radar and I'll let you know. And people are really appreciative of that. I think we've we've all been in that situation where you can tell someone is not listening to you and, and they're focused on something else. And that's always a, a very awkward situation. So we're actually going to take a quick break now to hear from our sponsor. Uh, but if you stay tuned after the break, uh, we're going to talk more about specific strategies for building trust and rapport in the business context. Amicus Attorney's world-leading practice management solution allows you to do more, bill more, and go home early. It serves as the hub to your practice, and Amicus customers report that they save over eight hours and bill an extra five hours each week. Built by lawyers for lawyers, Amicus has two award-winning solutions, Amicus Premium with a unique client portal and the exciting Amicus Cloud with seamless email integration. To learn more, visit amicusattorney.com. Welcome back to the second half of our show with Jason Troy, business and executive coach. While I think most attorneys understand the value of networking, many of us get a pit in our stomachs just thinking about it. So how do we overcome this feeling and how do we actually make it worth our time? Well, in life, when you step into uncertainty, that's when you grow. And most people who aren't good at something, they get nervous or fearful around it, right? Because you go back to your comfort zone, which you're much better at doing. But you have to step into uncertainty in life and you realize that when you actually step into that direction, your life immediately gets significantly better, right? But you have that fear because it's a fear of the unknown because you're not good at something. Well, the only way to get better at it is to keep trying. One of the things that you can do when you're going out to group settings, which I talked about before, if you really have a lot of anxiety, is you can go offer to work the check-in table. Um, All these events have people that are checking people in. And if you get there and ask to do one of the the first shift, what you can do is familiarize yourself with the room. You can meet some of the people in the organization. And then as every person is actually walking in, you can meet them. So that way later on, you're meeting all these people for the second time and you're going to feel a lot more comfortable and it's going to be a lot easier to start the conversation. And so that's one thing. Second of all, if you're going to these types of groups, the great thing is people's defenses are down. They're going there to meet other people. Otherwise, they wouldn't show up, right? And other scenarios when you meet people, you're not really sure why they're there. Well, when you go there, it is, right? The other thing is people love talking about one thing in particular. That's themselves. So asking questions is really a way for you to drive the conversation, learn more about them, build rapport and also make it easier on yourself because you don't have to have some perfect thing to say because you're asking and engaging with someone else. So when you're actually at the event, um, you know, sometimes it can be difficult. You walk in the room and, you know, let's say you haven't sat at that volunteer table and you walk in the room and everyone is, you know, in their groups there, everyone's talking to everyone else and it feels very overwhelming. Uh, do you have any strategies, any techniques on, you know, how do you break the ice or how do you get into that circle to talk to someone? So I think the easiest thing to do is every single place that you go is going to have a bar or some place to get a drink at. And that's always the best place to start because everyone's in line. You just have to get in line and start talking to people. 
I mean, I asked them questions like, you know, how's it going? Like, what brought you to this organization? Are you a member? And then the conversation can just go from there, right? And you can just keep asking them questions. Another thing you can do is extremely powerful, and it's probably the most powerful social thing that you can do by far, is introducing people to other people. And you don't even have to know the other person or either person to do this. And I've done this hundreds of thousands of times and met people, and it's either gone, you know, okay or well. I've never had anything bad happen. And how you do this is really easy. Let's say there's someone on your right. You just say, hey, how's it going? How's your day? And then they'll say whatever, and you could say, what's on your agenda for the week or what brought you to this organization? And it doesn't even matter what they say, right? And I'm not even asking them their name. Well, there's someone on your left most likely because there's probably going to be a few people at the bar or wherever you're at. You lean over to the other person and just say, how's it going? And they'll, like, they'll say whatever and saying, hey, you two should meet each other. And they'll be standing there and literally I just cross my fingers across my body and direct them with my index finger and a conversation just starts up, right? Now, it's sometimes the conversation's gone you know, 15 seconds, sometimes they start having a bigger conversation and you just, you know, direct it, ask a few questions. It's pretty simple, right? You can keep it light. And I've often dragged in other people behind me or around me into the conversation as well. And that's also been really successful to, you know, move it forward and really have, you know, engagement with other people. And in that scenario, the great thing about it is you are the hub because you're the one bringing it together so what that makes it is they always remember you as the person bringing them together. And the other great byproduct is if when you're walking around the room and you stop to say hi to them, they'll actively introduce you to other people because the law of reciprocity comes into effect and people typically will start to reciprocate to you what you've given back to them. So you're at an event and you're meeting people. You know, a follow-up question is, how many people should you aim to meet at an event? Um, you know, let's say there's about 300 people in the room, and of course you can't meet everyone and you can't have substantive conversations with, with every person. So h- how, many, how many people do you, you know, would you suggest that it's worthwhile to meet? I would say every hour you should try to meet, and this is a pretty broad number because it depends on and what your social skill set is at, but really anywhere from like five to 20 people. Um, The more that you can operate and participate in group discussions, the better you're off because you don't need to have that much time within an individual to start building some level of rapport. You can do it easily in under five minutes, right? The key thing is trying to get some information about them, what they're passionate about, what their challenges are, and then just exchange contact information and follow up, right? So, that's kind of my rule of thumb is, is operating at that level. And I think that way you can meet a broad level of people. And even if every person you can't ask to exchange their information, the great thing about groups is that if you keep going back, many people will be there in successive events. So you'll continue to be able to follow up for them or you'll see them at other events because typically a lot of the people that will go to one event will go to other ones. So they're really good places to start to build, you know, longer term relationships with people, even if you can't exchange contact information. Mm-hmm. 
So let's move on to the next phase of uh, cultivating a relationship, and that's that's following up. So how do you do that to really optimize the relationship? And you know, I'm thinking for attorneys, you know, in particular, you're meeting folks that are going to be a referral for you. Um, so you're building these referral relationships. So how, how do you do that? Well, the great thing is if you've asked them what their challenges are, you can follow up with that and give them any other information you have at that point, which is really good, right? I think as well, one of the things that you can ask people is if you offer to help them in the email, ask for help that you need, right? And two things that you can ask for, one is the specific help you need and also ask them a question, you know, who do you know that I should speak to? Because they haven't, remember, every person has a network behind them, which I call an indirect network. So they have a lot of value they can give to you no matter who the person is. So it's always great to ask that question because you never know who they know. And the other thing you do is you can invite them out to other events you're going to, right? You can say, hey, there's this great event you should check out here, right? The other thing you could do is you can invite that person out to a lunch, right, that you organize at a place and you bring two, three, four, five, six, eight people along, right? And you organize it. And the great thing about it is you can just go to a, a place that's pretty centrally located, you know, make a reservation. That's it. It's not like you have to pay for the lunch or do anything else. You could just invite people out because people always want to meet new people. They've, I've never run across any person that says, you know what? I know enough people. I don't want to meet anyone else, right? They may say to me, all I want is a you know, core group of a few friends, but they never say, I won't meet another person because everyone knows that that relationship could lead to something else. So that's a really strategic way. And that's adding a lot of value to other people. Because again, you don't know, two people might really hit it off. They might form a great friendship. They might be travel partners. They could be business partners. I mean, that's a really powerful place to be. And it solidifies you as a leader as a hub and as someone who they want to do business with because obviously you know people and you're willing to connect and you're willing to give, right? And that's one of the core things in life is that when you don't have scorecards with people, they like you and want to be around you more because the only people in their life that don't have scorecards are people in their inner circle, like their best friends, their family, a partner, a spouse. And so when you psychologically give first, you put yourself into that place. And that's a very powerful place to be. Mm -hmm. And another big part of networking effectively and cultivating relationships is knowing and feeling confident about your purpose. So talk to us about your purpose and how that fits into all of this. Right. I think one of the things in life that I found out is you have to have a purpose. And if you don't have one, you will have a default purpose, which will be more like a mission statement, right? It'll be like, my, my job is to help my clients do X, Y, and Z. Or, you know, my purpose may be to accumulate money or wealth or significance. And you got to realize that anything in the external world, people, significance, a job will eventually let you down. And that's where people often crater in their life and they have midlife crisis or they don't know what to do next. And so the key is, is really finding your purpose and internal purpose because you can always claim that and that makes you get motivated. It gets you jumping out of bed every day, excited about what you're doing. And one of the things about your purpose too is if you tie your purpose into your top emotions, 
that's also really powerful because again, like I said before, we're emotionally driven. And so when you know what those emotions are and you can figure those out by tapping into the happiest moments in your life, because what I found for doing this hundreds of times with clients is that the form and structure of each happy moment is many ways similar, right? The events may be different, but the emotions that come out of that are not. And when you can tap in and figure out what is consistent over time, you really know what's really driving you. And when you know what's driving you, you'll get more excited and motivated and happy, right? Because we've all been to the point where we've woken up one day or we've had a great day and we feel pumped and we feel excited. Well, you're tapping into those emotions. Now, you may not know what those are, but that's actually what's happening. So when you can tap in them on a daily basis, you can recreate the happiest moments in your life every single day, which is something pretty extraordinary. And that really creates a higher quality of life. And again, that creates a much better business because what we put out is what we attract. If we put out that we're happy, if we put out that we're successful, if we put out these things and that's how it really is, people are attracted to that because they want that because it's something they don't have. We've talked about a number of different skills and ideas and strategies and searching for your purpose. Uh, Of course, a lot of this can be difficult to to implement. Um, And of course, for attorneys, it's it's a matter of time, of course. Um, So do you have, uh, you know, do you have any advice for attorneys in terms of, you know, if you get stuck, you get in a rut (laughs) and you just can't get out, nothing's really working for you, what do you do? I mean, the best place to go is you have to find mentors and coaches. I mean, that's really the key because you need to have someone who's done what you want to do. I mean, success leaves clues in life, and you've got to figure out what those clues are. And the thing is, is go to the people who are already great at it because they will give you the fast track to get better. And this is an area of your life that if you decide to not invest in it, you, it will come back to haunt you, and it will create significant problems in your life. And both personally and professionally, because I've seen it happen so many times, I can't even count, right? That's why I get have clients, because people are having challenges in these life, in these areas, whether they know it or whether they don't. So I think the key is, is finding those people. The other thing is I also think finding support, right? So I also think it's really important to find people that are doing what you're doing. So finding other lawyers or groups, because having empathy is really a critical element to have. And having people that you can talk to that know what you're going through, but you don't have to spell it out. And so I think that's another part of the process here that's really important as well. Yeah, I mean, there's so many bar associations around that act, you know, just like you've described as a support mechanism. I think that's a great point. Um, But unfortunately, I'm sad to report that we've reached the end of another episode of the Legal Toolkit. So I'd like to thank my guest, Jason Troy, for taking the time to drop by our virtual studio. Jason, if our listeners would like to learn more about you and your ventures, how would they go about doing so? You can go to my website at beextraordinary.tv. That's beextraordinary, all one word, .tv. And you can find out of free guides on networking, on branding, how to contact busy people, and so many other things on there, as well as blogs, videos. And you can contact me in many different social media channels as well. Great. Thanks again, Jason, and thank you for our listeners for joining me for another episode of The Legal Toolkit. Remember that you can check out all of our shows anytime you'd like at LegalTalkNetwork.com. 
Thanks for listening to Legal Toolkit, produced by the broadcast professionals at Legal Talk Network. Join Heidi and Jared for their next podcast, covering the current business trends for law firms. Subscribe to the RSS feed on LegalTalkNetwork.com or in iTunes. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer. The Lunch Hour Legal Marketing Podcast, your resource for the tips and tactical advice you need to grow your business. Plus, keep up with the news and commentary you crave to stay one step ahead. It's hosted by me, Guy Sakalakis. And me, Conrad Song. Every other week, we break down the issues holding back your marketing strategy and talk about the changes you need to be prepared for. Check out the Lunch Hour Legal Marketing Podcast wherever you get your podcasts or on YouTube.